So what we are going to be talking about in this session is how to love our husbands by giving him a sexually exciting marriage. And you've got a worksheet that is something, something for you to look at on your own. And let me mention that um, most, most marriage deals really kind of bang up on the guys and talk about all the things they should be doing and what they're not doing. And um, our husbands can really feel burdened by that. They go to church on Mother's Day, and they hear how wonderful mothers are and how we should treat our mothers with love. And then they go to church on Father's Day, and it's you men need to be doing this and this and this, and you're not. So make sure that your husband knows that you appreciate him and that you also realize there are things that God wants you to do in your relationship to show how much you love him. So just so they don't feel like they're the only ones. Because they are hearing a whole different set of things for how to love you upstairs than what you all are hearing down here. Because God's made us different. Just like this card shows our difference. Okay? A husband's need for exciting sex is given from God. It's not a problem. It's not something that he is going to grow out of as he gets older. It is a legitimate need that God has built into him. And as his wife, you are the one who can meet that need. And do you want anyone else to meet it? No, of course not. We don't want him to have to seek it anywhere else. And we want him to be fulfilled at home so that uh, things that are a temptation do not become overwhelming to him. Now, if someone makes bad choices, if a husband makes poor choices and gets involved in immorality, I'm not saying that's the woman's fault because those are decisions he has made. But I am saying that we can do our part to make sure that we are being uh, so active in this part of our marriage that um, the need is being met, if that makes sense. Okay? So, um, and one of the changes, which many wives must adjust to, especially early in our marriage, is that behavior which at one time would have been immoral and illicit is now a part of her ministry, our ministry to our husbands. I can remember in the middle of our wedding ceremony thinking, no, wait, stop. This is going too fast. I'm not, it's not hitting me fully how my life is about to change and how everything that once was wrong is now right. And it took a little while. Most of us come from uh, basically two different backgrounds. We either lived a very conservative background, uh, growing up in a Christian home, um, I did not grow up in a Christian home, but I did have a morally conservative background. And more and more now, people come from backgrounds where things that the Bible teaches is wrong are considered right, or they are just so much a part of our society that um, there is no moral value put on it. It's just considered this is a part of a relationship with men and women, and you live together before you're married to make sure it will work. Um, that whole realm of things. Um, uh, 
whatever is in your past, we already talked about that, is in the past. The thing that if you did have, were involved in immorality as a single person, the thing you do have to allow God to cleanse you from is your memories so that you are not comparing your husband to other partners. God can do that. Remember 2 Corinthians 5.17, in Christ you are a new creation. So God can do that. But I've counseled with women who realized after the fact that this was a kind of a repercussion of choices they had made when they were single. Um, God does not condemn you for it. You confess it and you press on. But now all of those things that were wrong when we were single are right with our husband. You cannot lust after your husband and your husband cannot lust after you. The desires that God puts in his heart for a physical relationship are from God, and they are good. And the things that you do to please him are things that you are doing as a wife that are um, sanctioned by God. Only within the realm of marriage, but they are sanctioned by God. And a wife who is aggressive in the stimulation of her husband's sexual appetite and desires is a godly woman in God's eyes in this area. Uh, read the book of Song of Solomon. Uh, some people say that it's intended as a description of um, the spiritual life. You can make an, a, a devotional application that way, but it is intended just exactly, exactly as it was written. It is a description of married life. Um, I think... You guys have some of these verses. How about 1 Corinthians 6, 19, and 20? It says, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? For you have been bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body. Okay. So we need to care for our bodies as the temple of God, because God says that's what they are. Now, how do you do this? When my children were little, when we, ha we have four, you all have heard that. So there's a period of my life where I pretty much went from baby to baby to baby to baby. Because the oldest, they're about seven and a half years apart from the oldest to the youngest. So there was a big stretch of time where I was nursing a baby. And when you nurse a baby, usually you smell like baby nursing. <laughs> And so I learned that I was much more attractive to my husband if I changed my shirt before he came home. You couldn't do it too early because then you'd just end up having to change it again. So, But there are things like that you can do with your body that um, come under the category of caring for it as the temple of God. Obviously, there are things like eating healthily, exercising, maintaining weight control, uh, uh, cleanliness, washing your hair, and I'm, I feel almost hypocritical saying this because during COVID, I've already joked about how I just um, used a curling iron for the first time in about five months this morning. <laughs> so we've been in a totally different situation. So don't berate yourself, but just be aware that God does want us to take care of our bodies as a temple of the Holy Spirit. Because the, build, the church building is only a church building. It's not a temple. The Holy Spirit now lives in us. It doesn't live in this building. So we should take care of our bodies as the temple of God. 
Okay. Um, Proverbs 27, 20. Shul and Abad are never satisfied, and never satisfied in the eyes of man. This is just a true statement. Will your other your husband ever get tired of looking at you? No. Will he ever get tired of seeing you without clothes on? No. Um, let him look. Who do I? What do I want him looking at? If not me, who do I want to meet that need in his life? It's not immoral. It's not something that we need to be embarrassed about. It may take some learning for us to learn how to be comfortable with that. But um, it is something that we can minister to our husband, an area in which we can minister to our husbands that no one else can do. And I'll just be honest with you guys. I am 69 years old, and COVID has added on some pounds. But there are bags and sags and wrinkles that are just there, and they're not going anywhere. So when I say this, it's not only thinking in terms of a 20-year-old. We have to learn how to do the best with what we have. And you can figure out what part of your body your husband considers attractive and sexually stimulating. Might be your legs, might be your breasts, might be a certain kind of neckline. Find out what he likes and wear clothes for him when you are with him, obviously, you dress appropriately, you're not going to wear that to church. You're not going to wear it when you're all eating dinner around the table. You're not going to wear it around your in-laws. But when you were with him in the privacy of your bedroom, or when the kids have gone to bed at night, dress for him. Okay, And even when you are um, not dressing in a sexually stimulating way, think about how you wear your hair, the colors you wear, the types of clothes you wear. Do you think about your husband when you are deciding on hairstyle and clothing style and colors? Do you think about what he likes? Do you know the colors he likes? Do you know his favorite color? Do you know whether he likes polka dots or not? My husband does not, so I don't wear polka dots. <laughs> you know, it's not that big a deal. He looks at me more than I look at myself. Same with my hair. He likes my hair a little bit longer, so I wear it a little longer. But I have friends who wear their hair very short, and their husband loves that. So the Bible talks about our hair being a covering, but it doesn't say how many inches your hair should be. You know, as long as your hair is feminine and your husband likes it, then wear it the way he likes it. Okay? 1 Corinthians 7.4. Does somebody have that one? And I, like I said, I appreciate you guys reading. When I kind of meditated on this verse and thought about what it meant, because I pretty much applied it in terms of what I was just talking about. What kinds of things, what are my husband's preferences? And I can do those things for him. Hair, you know, he likes me to wear makeup, so I wear makeup, that kind of stuff. My son-in-law does not really like my daughter to wear that much makeup, so she doesn't, because that's what he, he likes more of a natural look. But when I thought about this, and if you read more around it, it's really talking about their physical relationship. The, husband, the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does, and likewise also. 
And my application from this verse, once I studied about it, was don't say no. If he wants to be physically romantic, I'm going to be available. Now, when my children were little, that meant that I structured my day so that I got a little rest in the afternoon so that I could meet him at the door and not burst into tears when he first started acting romantic. Could have a little reserve of energy and emotion left for him. Okay? Um, And there are times when it is a challenge because you're tired, maybe you're stressed, um, there are other things you want to do. But again, this is something I can do for my husband that no one else can do. And our husbands live in a stressful world. They have all kinds of drama going on at their jobs. And even if there's not job drama, there's just the stress of living in a world that does not honor God first. And they're having to think in terms of integrity and in terms of morality and in terms of purity and, you know, all of these different things on the job. Then they come home to us and we can meet a need that comforts him and um, just allows him to completely relax and be comfortable in his home and enjoy the relationship with us. So that was my personal application. I don't say no. Um, Now, there are times when he will realize that I'm under a lot of stress for some reason, and so he will say, well, let's wait until another night. You know, and that's very considerate of him. But part of the reason why he can say that is because he knows I'm available, that he doesn't have to kind of pander to me and tiptoe around me and try to better me up because he knows that I want to be available to him because that is a gift that I can give him. And this is a gift that we can all give our husbands. Song of Solomon 4, uh, verse 1. Did I say 1 or 1 through 7? 1 through 7. Let's just do 1. Okay. How beautiful you are, my darling. How beautiful you are. Your eyes are like doves behind your veil. Your hair is like a flock of goats that has descended from Mount Gilead. Okay. Well, the very first statement in this is that her, her husband considers her to be extremely beautiful. Now, the hair like a flock of goats, I'm not sure exactly how that fits in. I don't know that I would describe my hair in that kind of a way or would want to, but evidently it communicated to her, and he knew it would communicate to her. Make yourself available for your husband to look at, to marvel at. Do you let him look at you? Do you let him uh, enjoy you? Let him enjoy you and to marvel at you. Don't, well, let me say this. I had a friend who uh, had been married about 15 years and she still got undressed every night in her closet. You can choose to do that, but you're really depriving your husband of something that would give him great enjoyment. Okay, so think about that. Think about some of those things. Let's look at Proverbs 5, 15 through 19. Did I give that to someone to read? Okay. Why don't we all look at that? I won't, uh, you don't need to read that. We'll get you to read something else later. Proverbs 5, 15 through 19. Actually, why don't you read, read that out loud? I appreciate that, but the rest of us will also be looking at it so we can talk about it. And drink water from their own cistern, and running water from their own water. 
should be a foundation to be dispersed abroad. Streams of water into the streets. Let them be only your own and not the strangers with you. Let your family be blessed and joyful in the life of your youth. As a loving deer and a graceful doe, let her breast satisfy you at all times. And always be enraptured with your love. Okay, thank you. A cistern is a very deep well that's been dug in the ground. Sometimes they're lined with con concrete or stones, something that will keep the water from getting dirt in it. Very pure water from deep within the earth. And uh, the area of the world that where they're talking about this cistern being is in the Middle East. It's a desert where there's not a lot of, there are not a lot of streams or lakes or things like that that are available to drink from. So drinking water came from this deep, deep well so it's saying here, and this is a father giving wisdom to his son, and he's encouraging them to not be caught up by the um, harlot, but to make sure that um, his wife is ministering to them. Okay? So kind of visualize this. It's a physical relationship that is a blessing. It's fulfilling. It gives great enjoyment and satisfaction. The word picture is of a man in the desert, terribly thirsty, and then he finds a well full of water. And he enjoys it completely, not just taking a little sip, but immersing himself in it completely and joyfully. That's what we should be to our husbands. A deep, deep well of water that's never going to run out. And notice in verse 19, it just says, let her breast satisfy you at all times. Be exhilarated always. Or um, Your translation was using a different word, but it's the same idea. Be exhilarated always with her love. You know, enjoy that aspect of your relationship. It doesn't mean when we are pleasing our husbands, it doesn't mean that we don't get enjoyment out of it first, but it means that we are focusing on what we can give him and not just what he can give us. Does that make sense? It's, a, it's more of a difference in perspective. And we're giving him a gift when we are doing this for him. Let's look at Genesis 4, uh, I mean Genesis 24, verse 67. Does someone have that? Then Isaac brought her into the tent of Sarah, his mother, and took her back. And she became his wife, and he loved her. So Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. This is another verse that when I actually read it and thought about it, my brain kind of exploded with a whole new thought. Men are comforted by sexual fulfillment. They desire and need sex after times of great excitement, stress, or grief. Women, on the other hand, are comforted by our husbands listening to us and holding us. There's no right or wrong in this. It's just a way in which men and women are different. Usually the last thing we want when emotionally spent is sex. But for men, this situation brings this need to the forefront. A wife can really minister to her husband at this time. And it's also important for us to know that for our husbands, some of the greatest times of sexual temptation will be when they are stressed. Because in this verse is describing Isaac marrying Rebecca. But the, it says, and she became his wife and he loved her. But look at that very last phrase. Thus, Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. 
Now, if my mother had just died and I had been all caught up in all the funeral and the, you know, the la- her last days and all that kind of stuff, sex is the last thing I would want. I mean, it is the last thing. <laughs> I would probably dissolve into tears if the word was even mentioned. But Isaac was comforted by that. So we need to remember, because this was something I had never even thought of, that when men are under great stress, sex is a way that we can comfort them. It is just, this is an example, but it is just true. It is just true. And if you're not sure, ask your husband and see what he says. Um, Just another way that men and women are different. Okay? Uh, Let's look at another example. Genesis 26, verse 8. It came about when he had been there a long time that a little like the king of the Philistines looked out through the window and saw, and behold, Isaac was caressing his wife, Rebecca. Okay, so this is Rebecca again. She's a pretty wise in the way she related to her husband. What we know is that she was letting her husband basically fondle her. He was caressing her in a way that identified her as his, his wife. Uh, and the king saw from a window and recognized that she was Isaac's wife. Are you willing to let your husband touch you? Even if you are in public or not exactly in your bedroom, but somewhere where no one else is going to see are you willing to let him touch you? Like if you're in the car, you're coming home from after dinner out, do you let him reach over and touch your leg, your thigh, or do you bat his hand away? Um, do you let him, I mean, again, when you're in the car, who can see anything that's going on in another car unless you're standing right by the car? Go on and let him caress you in a husbandly way. You know, that is a way that we can minister to our husbands. That is what Rebecca let her husband do. Um, We were going to look at Esther. I think we're going to skip that. Um, Basically, the story of Esther is that she was a Jewish girl who ended up, through a series of circumstances, becoming queen of a, a man who was not a, not Jewish, not a believer. He was pagan. But God used her in her position to save the nation of Israel from a villain who was going to try to have them all killed. So she was a very brave woman. But when it describes Esther's preparation before she was going to presented, be presented to this man who would later become her husband, she spent six months of spa treatment being massaged with oils, going to all kinds of special beauty treatments, perfumes, all kinds of stuff. And she was willing to let even a pagan uh, specialist in this area give her instruction on how to make herself beautiful for this king. We can take even, we can notice things even from worldly advertisement and apply them to our situations. For instance, look at a perfume ad. The ads you see on TV or the in magazines or on billboards. Notice how those ladies are dressed. Notice how they wear their hair. Notice what kind of colors or necklines or fabrics they are wearing. Because those ads are designed by experts 
to make men look at them and then think, oh, if I buy this perfume, my wife will look like this for me. Okay? We can learn from that. To take something that is secular and apply it uh, in our marriage is a good thing to do. Okay? Halloween is coming around. However you feel about Halloween or harvest or whatever, Uh, if you don't like Halloween, think about Christmas. There is nothing wrong with... um, dressing up in little costumes to please your husband. No one has to know about it, but you and he. But if you get on the internet, you can find some, and you don't have to go to the most awful places to buy them, but you can find stuff like that and give him a fun little evening at home when you are doing something that he knows is specially only for him. Does that make sense? I'm trying to share this in a way that is helpful but also in a way that is discreet enough to go on the Internet. (laughs) So hopefully I am doing that. Okay? So these are some ideas for how to make your marriage sexually exciting for your husband. Um, Do not deprive your husband of the physical aspect of your relationship. Be a blessing to each other. Be attractive. Use what you have to the fullest. Be rested. Think ahead. Be aggressive. Plan a romantic life. Sometimes it takes a lot of work to figure out how to do that because you've got to figure out something to do with the kids. You don't have to necessarily spend a whole lot of money. I don't recommend real rose petals on the bed because I stained a beautiful pair of sheets with red roses that we crunched. But you can use silk ones. Um, Do not be tempted or yield to the temptation to use sex as a weapon. If you're mad at him for something, don't withhold sex. That just uh, steamrolls and becomes a bigger and bigger and bigger problem until it is very difficult to unravel what the real solution is. If you're angry about something that has happened, the Bible says do not let the sun go down on your anger. So talk it out with him first and go at it with the idea of I love him. We are going to work this out. What can we do? You know, how can we resolve this problem? Okay? But don't withhold sex. And when you've had a disagreement and then you've forgiven each other and you've prayed together and you've made up Those can be some of the most special times because you're expressing your love to each other. He is comforted, and you feel like you've kind of reestablished your connection. In today's world where we have so much going on, and especially right now when we are battling so many of the uncertainties that we are faced with, let your relationship be a constant. It will be good for both of you, and it is honoring to God. You want to be the one used by God to meet this need for a lifetime. And I want to serve my husband out of love. Love is always a choice. Therefore, it is unconditional. It is not based on circumstances. When I chose to marry this man, I pledged my love to him. The world says marriage is a convenience. God says it is a commitment, his gift of a special relationship to us. So this is one aspect of what we're talking about. Ways to express our love to our husband. Okay? I'm going to um, move into another topic now. 
let's talk about, we're going to kind of combine these last two. Let's see. Yes, yes, please. Pass out, it should be number four, I think. Helpmate and companion, starting with Ecclesiastes 9, 7. Are those the ones you have, Rowena? Yes. Okay, great. Thank you. Actually, we're doing okay because I was thinking that um, we'll probably split this session in between with the break in the middle, which will work fine. Okay? Okay.